All right, Talking Travel is here and our travel guide Sally Lucas ready to go. And you'll be doing a lot of bits and pieces today, Sally. I am. A lot of it relating to air travel. I thought we haven't discussed a lot about air travel recently, but about humidity in cabins. And we all know how you can end up the other end like you've feel like you've been through Halloween and your eyes are bloodshot and you think, my God, did I really have to do that? That's so we'll the, t- isn't that the free drinks, Sally? <laughs> no, it's not in my case. It's it's the um, the air, the dry air. And, of course, uh, is premium economy worth it? The, the class divide between economy, premium economy, business and first, so on. So I thought we'd talk about a bit about that and a new baggage policy that Virgin has on their introduction of a flight to Japan from Cairns. All right, we'll get into all of that. We're having a look at our air quality expert today, Sally. I have become one yes over the last few weeks. I've been doing a bit of reading and a bit of study. Turns out humidity is the name of the game. It is. So it's about cabin climate. And, of course, thermal comfort and humidity are set to become the next step. Um, We're hoping, or it is starting, for airlines to bring in these cabin improvements. But... What you've got to realise is like the Atacama Desert in Chile is generally considered to be the driest place on earth and it receives very little precipitation, only about 15 mils annually. And, of course, virtually devoid of vegetation or animal life as a result of that because the humidity there only reaches about 10%. But in a business class cabin, the average humidity is only 7%, so it's drier than the driest place on earth. So that's really interesting, isn't it, when you think about it? So the conditions arise because the outside air that's drawn into the cabin is very cold, around minus 15 degrees centigrade. So it can't hold any moisture. So it's really interesting, isn't it? So And cabin air is always frequently refreshed every two minutes. So the small amount of moisture that's generated is filtered out again very quickly. As soon as it's in, it's out. It's out. So, yeah, so actually if you're travelling in economy class, you'll have more humidity there because there's more people exhaling. So you're going to have less dehydration issues. I mean, I might be saying I'm trying to push economy class here, but I'm not. I'm just pointing (laughs) out a fact. Um, First class passengers, they wither in only about 5% of humidity and the poor old cockpit and crew Mm. area... 2% 2% humidity is all they get. And the thoughts as well of this sort of can play into what happens you know, when you re-emerge into the real world at the end of a flight too. Well, this is it because um, we're all aware of feeling parched and dehydrated after a long-haul flight. So they're saying no matter how much you drink, even in, as far as you know, liquid intake water, mm. make sure you drink even more because you're dehydrating quicker than you would ever normally dehydrate. So from a health perspective, it, it's what happens is you dehydrate your mucus and respiratory system. So this is even when you catch a cold, you know how you can get really dried out when you, it's the same sort of thing. So winter does the same thing to mm. us as well. It dries us out with the lack of humidity and that's why you can get sick. So they've got these HEPA filters in the plane, of course, which, which do all this wonderful stuff to give us the, the pure air, but we're not getting any humidity. So when you say you think, oh, I got sick on the plane coming home, you didn't actually. You got sick when you got off the plane because you were suddenly introduced back into an airport full of teeming full of people at a higher level of humidity that you happened in experiencing while you're on the flight. And particularly a long-haul flight, I'm probably talking more here. Like yeah. you, you suffer it more, obviously, on a long-haul flight rather than a short-haul flight. Yeah. An hour up to Brisbane might not make much of a difference. So it, technically you wouldn't say, I got sick on the flight. I got sick because of the flight. flight. 
<laughs> so look, they are encouraging developments. All airlines are, and some of the airlines are, are doing wonderful things to try and figure out how they can give us more humidity. There, even some of them are considering seat heating and cooling, like you get in the car now. You know, you can do the same in the plane. So if you're feeling too hot, too cold, and we all know sometimes you can be in a plane and it's regulated by the crew. And sometimes they have it. You think, I know a couple of the flights I was on recently. I thought mm. both Scott and I we, we were shedding. It was too hot. You know, so, and that's nothing worse. And then if you're cold, you can get a blanket and put it around you. But in an aircraft, you really – it's very hard to get cool. See, if I was the captain, if we, obviously he's the mm. guy or she's the person's mm. in charge, I would have the temperature down because, you know, I, I've got fans. I know. So, you're, you're like that, so aren't you? So the people would be putting jumpers on, not the other way around exactly. if it was me. So anyway, we're, obviously the developments are being made, you know, in the world of thermal comfort and cabin humidity, but it'll be a while, I think, before we walk off a plane feeling like we've had a spa treatment. So, <laughs> you, you know, you've just got to remember that – and also put your clock, your watch on the time of the where you're going. So you, otherwise on a long flight again, you're getting meals at times. And even mm. myself on the way back, they'd say, oh, come here, you must want a meal. I said, no, I don't. I said, no, I'm not ready to eat. I said, you, you've given us a meal just after we've left. I don't want another meal in three hours' time. I said, I don't have a meal. Oh, I'll have yours. You know, so. I'll have yours. That's not a problem. Or I'll order a snack <laughs> rather yeah. than a meal and just, just something to tide me over. Mm-hmm. So don't overeat. You're not expending any energy. But try and stretch, try and do all of that. If you can have your legs elevated in any way, shape or form, do even if you're sitting there, do some leg exercises, do some stretch, even stretch, pull your neck forward and back from side to side and, you know, and, and hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. So, but I, I thought it was just very interesting reading about that. So, And also uh, you mentioned the different classes too, your economy versus up the front yeah. pointy end. There are some changes yeah. coming. Yes, well, I mean, I think... Is the divide there? Like, there's less first class now because a lot of people just can't afford it. And most people who would fly first class these days would be probably on company, you know, mm. account. Or you're you're rich and you're, you're an Emirati or something like that. And that's different. But generally, people do look at business. But even business now since COVID has become a lot more expensive. So I think people are now thinking, well, let's go premium economy. And only in, in the last couple of years have we had more airlines join in and provide premium economy. We didn't have many airlines doing that. So you were stuck. It was either business or economy. And there was a big divide. Whereas at least with premium economy, you get your own dedicated usually only about four rows, you get your own toilet, you get usually with most airlines, usually I'm saying, uh, a separate check-in like business class, you get the same food as business class. Um, you're just getting, instead of having a lie flat bed, you're getting a nice big chair that's like a Jason recliner rocker, if I can call it like that, mm. a little bit, like it's a nice big wide deeper chair that has elevates so you can have your feet elevated so you're not squished into someone next to you. So yes, there are, I think, benefits. Of, it really uh, seems like the way to go, doesn't it? Because yeah. you kind of you kind of trimming the fat off of the, you know, the business of the first class, so you, but you and you're sort of not crammed in to the tin of sardines. And like of course, they make more money too, because obviously mm. first classes, business classes, less, and first yeah. is even less again. But if you're doing premium economy, it's obviously going to help probably raise their you know, monetary gain, mm. and hopefully, though, that they would put it back into things we're just talking about with improvement in, in your conditions on board the airlines. So, yeah, just think of premium economy if you think, oh, gosh, I couldn't do a long flight anymore, you know, 23, mm. 24 hours, which is a hell of a long way. You know, premium economy might be the way to go. To an URFM 103.7 Talking Travel continuing here with our travel guide, Sally Lucas. We've done the planes. 
Let's get into some of that cruising stuff that's around, Sally. A lot of that at the moment. There is, and a lot of expedition-style cruising, which we say is just growing exponentially. It's it's a wonderful way to see the world when you're seeing it with important guests on board as guest speakers and people to advise you of what you're doing. So this one is going, of course, to that beautiful part of the country I've done, gosh, so many years ago now. I forget how long ago it was. Don't, don't think, don't try and do those numbers. Don't run no, the numbers. No, I won't do the numbers. Anyway, Antarctica I'm talking about, of course, and um, the, there's a, a marine archaeologist. I didn't even know such a thing existed as a marine archaeologist, but there you go. His name's Menson Bound. Interesting, isn't it? Look, as inbound, you know, but bounding like a kangaroo. But yeah, he's considered the Indiana Jones of the deep and he was the director of exploration for the March 2022 Discovery Expedition of Shackleton's Endurance. So he'd know a thing or two about, you know, Shackleton and all those voyages. So he is actually going to sail with uh, Lindblad Expeditions on a couple of their voyages where he'll share all about uncovering that legendary ship and all about Mm. Shackleton. So there's one on the 18th of November this year doing Antarctica, just Antarctica, and then one on the 26th of Feb is doing South Georgia and the Falklands. So that would be really... My husband really wants to do that. He'd love to do South... Because he he reads everything on Antarctica and he's read everything on Shackleton and the journey and he really wants to to get to South Georgia. Now, Sally, you hear that? That's the sound of him booking right now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, if he's listening. Um, now, Also, another interesting area of the world is you can sail the Pacific with a military historian. It's Ian Toll is his name, and he's the author of a book called The Pacific War Trilogy. And it's a three-volume history of the war in the Pacific. So he's a special guest speaker on October 23 departure called Roots of the Pacific, Exploring New Zealand and Melanesia. So you're not only sailing amongst pristine isles and remote communities, but you're going to the World War II sites from the Battle of Guadalcanal. So anyone that's interested mm. in that history of, of World War in the, in the Pacific region, that would be really something fantastic to do. Also, Lindblad do have some other, even not talking about doing things with historians, they've got some other interesting areas if you're wanting to cruise somewhere really different. Um, the vibrant Colombia, Caribbean Colombia is often described as a land of contrast. So you can go into this diverse region as well and you can also add pre or post voyage extension onto that, doing the Panama as well. So that would be really interesting and you end up having two nights on this one in Cartagena, which is a beautiful colonial city. So that just something different coming up all mm. the time, you know. Uh, the very best of Patagonia, that's another one where you go into the wilderness of the famous Torres del Pine National Park and honestly the, the fjords and everything you see there, that, that I've done Patagonia, but everything I've looked at, it just looks absolutely stunning. You know, you've got all those incredible glaciers that crack and collapse mm. and fall and ice falls and just wonderful. And a part of California that's not very well known, mm. it's a, a group of islands just off California. They're called the Californian Channel Islands. Okay. And it's a national park there. And again, they say they've got dramatic cliffs, grassy headlands, rare flora and fauna. And also, you know, isn't that something different? I didn't even realise they were islands off California. Oh, you've learnt that the Californian Channel Islands. I know. And talking about Chile, as we just were, there's an incredible um, cave network dubbed as the most beautiful cave network in the world, Cuevas de Marmol which means marble caves. It's a 6,000-year-old sculpture that's been hewn by the crashing waves of Lake General Carrera of Patagonia in southern Chile that we were just talking about. Uh, It's also called the Marble Cathedral. And the photos I've seen of you get a chance to Google and have a look at it. The swirling patterns of this cave, it's 
the, the, the hues of blues and different blues and, and the whites are different as well because it's, I guess, it's got all this cold water that comes in and swirls around. It's left all these mm. swirling patterns. Um, it's hard to explain, obviously, but if you, if you want to have a look, but I don't think you're going to actually get to it. I think you're only going to Google it because to get to it, you've got to do a flight to the Chilean capital, Santiago, first. Then you go 800 miles on major highways to the next major city, followed by a 200-mile drive on rough dirt roads before you get to the lake that houses the cave. So I would say, and then finally you need a boat to get into the caves. Well, you know what? I've got about nine weeks of annual leave. They tell me I have to get rid of. I will need all of that to get to <laughs> you. You will. But, I mean, look, isn't that marvellous? The mm. one of the wonders of nature, though, you yeah. know. And I came up looking at this, you know, we were talking about those funny things I got you started on last week. Yep. We won't go back there, but that's all right. So I found this one as well. And But it, you have a look. If you get a chance to have a look, the caves of Patagonia, these marble caves, it's, they're just stunning and they're like 6,000-year-old. Mm. It's yeah. absolute, just beauty. Absolute Absolutely. Beauty. And, and no, we won't do the Israel snake thing. No, no, no we're not. I wasn't going to even mention it. <laughs> I hadn't even thought of it. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. All right, a little bit more of Talking Travel. Sally has hot deals. She's not done yet. She has more hot deals that you can poke a stick at. In fact, some she said, you know what, they're just too hot for this week. I'm going to have to let them put them on lukewarm until next week. Isn't that right? Exactly right, Mark. But plenty for today, though. Plenty for today. And just quickly, just to let you know, Virgin has just released a, a trade announcement regarding baggage allowance on their new service from Cairns to Haneda Airport in Tokyo that you can only have a maximum of 23 kilos in economy or a flex-type fare. And nothing over that because apparently, I'm not sure why what type of aircraft they're using, but it's due to weight restrictions on that particular aircraft. So just to let you know if you are, you must only have 23 kilos and you can't even purchase any additional luggage okay. if you've got it. So you've got to stick to that limit and that's it. Otherwise you'll be there throwing Otherwise stuff in the garbage. Otherwise you'll be throwing stuff out. So I just thought I'd let them know that. That was just a little bit. Um, now, APT Europe for 2024, they've announced a lovely new itinerary, which is the Douro Delights with Lisbon and Madrid at each end. So you've got three lovely nights in Lisbon and three at the end in Madrid. And then you're doing a seven-night cruise on the gorgeous Douro River on a brand-new vessel called Estrella. And obviously you're doing some wonderful sampling of wines and cheeses and all that sort of stuff. So that's June to October next year. And they've got savings of up to $4,000 per couple if you book by the 31st of August. The usual ones there that everyone still loves, the Amsterdam to Budapest, it's just one of those favourites that everyone loves and you can do it vice versa, of course. And it's just 14 nights pure cruising, um, all inclusive. There's flights included on that one and you can save up to $2,000 a couple. And they're also doing an interesting run uh, one around Croatia, which is considered one of the most beautiful coastlines in the world. So you can do that and you're getting eight nights on a luxury yacht, the Lady Eleganza, which is fantastic. Savings of up to 16 hundred per couple. It's a nine-day cruise from Zagreb to Dubrovnik. Well, we're not cruising out of Zagreb. It's inland, of course, but you've got transport from Zagreb. Um, and then Age, the Aegean and Adriatic Seas is a lovely one going from Venice through to Istanbul. It's a 15-day in August next year. And again, you've got savings of up to $5,000 per couple on that. Sticking close to home, Cunard is doing an Australian circumnavigation 18 October to 17 November 2024. An extraordinary voyage. You'll be travelling over eight and a half thousand nautical miles, seeing the wonders of Australia with a little side trip to Bali added on that as well. Goes down as far as Tasmania, doing the whole lot. So just absolutely fantastic if you're really thinking of doing that. I mean, it's obviously, pardon me, it's a 
long cruise. It's 30 nights. But you can do on some of them some shorter sectors like Sydney to Fremantle, or which is 18, or Fremantle to Sydney, which is 12. So keep that one in mind. Herty Groot and Expeditions have got an early bird sale on for 2024-25 with up to 30% off a whole range of their cruises uh, doing in all of their areas, whether it's Arctic, Antarctic, Scandi, etc. Closer to home, Norfolk Island. All meals and seven tours, return airfares with Qantas, seven nights at the Governor's Lodge with breakfast, lunch and dinner daily, seven-day car hire, so many inclusions I can't even mention it. The sale ends on the 4th of August and that's from under $3,500 per person and it's for dates for travel August, September, December and January. So keep that one in mind, the lovely Norfolk and Northern Territory, last but not least. They've got their summer bail, sale back, sorry, with really great deals to go up there, saving of up to $962 per couple, sorry, with just a low $100 deposit doing Litchfield, Waterfalls, all of that wonderful area, Catherine, etc., which is just fantastic. So just keep that in mind. Book by 31 July for travel, 1 October to 31 March next year. And that is that. All right, lots of hot deals there. The rest, look, they're, they're still a bit warm. We'll wait for next week, yeah, all right? I'm warming them up. That's <laughs> Sally. Have yourself a great weekend. We'll you catch too, you Mark. next week, all right? Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.